Today, I'm joined by Natalie and Belkis from Culturally Speaking SLPs to talk about diversifying your speech therapy materials, how to incorporate yoga and mindfulness, and practicing better self-care. Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA certified speech language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by Natalie and Belkis, and they are the creators of culturally diverse resources for Teachers Pay Teachers, including those that teach empathy to children. Welcome, ladies. I'm so happy to have you today. Thank you for having us. Before we get started, let's paint a picture for the listeners. Can one of you start by telling us who you are, what you do today, and how you got there? Okay, so I'll start. My name is Natalie Sorrilla. I live in New York City. Um, I like to uh, do yoga, spend quality time with family and friends, meet new people, try new foods, and travel to different places. Today, I am a bilingual Spanish-speaking SLP working in the general education setting with the elementary and middle school population. Um, One of my best friends in undergrad introduced me to the field and uh, I fell in love with it, looked into how I could get accepted into the program and just went for it. That's amazing. Are, is she an SLP today too? Um, she's actually in the teaching field. She's a teacher okay. in the special education department. That's so interesting because the person that recommended me to SLP was my sister-in-law, but she's a physical therapist. I guess just the SLP field has a good rap. <laughs> yes. Awesome. And how about you, Belkis? Can you give us your background information too? Yeah. My name is Belkis Fuentes. I am a first-generation college student. I was born in Ecuador and arrived to the United States when I was five years old. I am also a Spanish-English bilingual speech-language pathologist, currently working in New York City, Department of Education, District 75 setting, which is a specialized schools. Uh, more catered to children on the autism spectrum, sensory disorders. I was introduced to the field um, back in high school when my youngest brother started attending speech therapy. Okay, that definitely gave you a perspective that's unique to your, your situation and I think really valuable for empathy and just understanding like the family's side when you're providing treatment. Correct. That's great. Well, I'm excited to learn more about both of you. So let's talk about how SLPs can better diversify their speech therapy materials to meet the needs of 
BIPOC students? So I could go first, it's Belkis speaking. Um, in terms of diversifying materials, something that we have looked into a lot is using materials that represent our caseload. For Natalie and myself working in New York City, we have various cultures, students that have um, that speak various languages and that come from a household where it's not just one language, it's multi-languages that they speak at home. So more materials that represent that. Um, we've been using a lot of books that have translations as well. A lot of Spanish books right now are bilingual. So it's also teaching children about code switching. Um, other things that we have been using are books that physically represent our students as well as authors who resemble their cultural background that we've been using within our speech therapy sessions. I love that. Natalie, did you want to add anything to that? Um, yes, uh, we've also created um, a lot of different materials as well to help meet the needs of these students. Um, for example, in my own um, Instagram handle, the SLP Yogi, I created a virtual library of books uh, that build uh, emotional intelligence, social skills, and focus on empathy, individuality, and diversity, as well as bilingual books in Spanish um, and books that promote yoga and mindfulness for students. Uh, so I just think it's just important to get that message out there, that diversity and inclusivity within the speech realm and just in the school setting overall for our students is very important. And to just continue to get that word out is something that we're very um, passionate about doing. Yes, that's so important. And I did see your virtual library of books. It looks fantastic. Um, it's through Google Classroom, right? Yes, correct. That's so cool. So how can people find that if they're interested? Um, they just go onto my Instagram, the SLP Yogi, and um, they click on that link tree that I have um, in my bio and it'll bring them right to it. Okay, perfect. That's great. Thank you for that suggestion. So let's talk about how SLPs can better practice self-care, especially during this time. What a crazy time. Before we do that though, what is your school district's what are they doing? Do you guys know yet? No clue. This is Natalie speaking. I have no idea what we're doing yet. Wow. And we're so close to like when the school year should be starting, right? Yeah. How about you, Belkis? I'm on the same boat as Natalie. We don't know yet. <laughs> Honestly, we're getting um, different information every week and it changes week by week. So we still don't know what's going to happen in September. Wow. Yes, it's so crazy. So yes, let's go back to the question that I originally was going to ask you guys. How do SLPs better practice self-care during like these uncertain times? Um, I can start with that, um, Natalie here. Um, really, what I've been focusing on for myself is just getting my sleep back in order. I would stay up really late getting ready for the next school day when it came to just being thrusted into remote learning. So it was very hard to stay on a, you know, on a strict schedule, I guess, for myself, where it's like I have my morning, then I know I'm eating breakfast at a certain time, then lunch, and then treating uh, before and after lunch. It was kind of all over the place at first. So I feel like that threw my sleeping pattern out of whack 
So sleeping for me is very important. Um, going on walks uh, with family members or just alone, spending time with family and friends, even if it's through Zoom dates, which I've been doing with Belkis, um, mm -hmm. texting, chatting with friends and just eating healthy overall is really important and I value all those things so much. And of course, yoga. Can't forget the yoga aspect. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Those are really great suggestions. How about you, Belkis? Likewise, a lot of things that Natalie has been doing, I've been doing myself, but also giving myself permission to pause. I feel like right now, everyone, no one knows what's really going on. So we're trying to research different materials, research what's going on in the news, constantly being on social media. And I think sometimes it's okay to take a break mm -hmm. and just pausing and having some time to yourself to just meditate. I've been trying to decrease my screen time as well. And like Natalie said, just trying to get back into a better like eating habit because when you're home and you're trying to do all your teletherapy sessions, communicate with parents, email. I feel like that time that's supposedly scheduled for school, like your eight to three at home has been going beyond that schedule. So I think it's also setting time restrictions like, okay, now my workday is officially done. Now I need, I could choose like a different hobby or a different activity to start. I love those suggestions. This is a little sidebar, but I started watching Down to Earth with Zac Efron on Netflix, and I'm learning so much on there, surprisingly, but one of the things that they talked about on an episode was this concept of negative and positive ions and how technology fills our body basically with positive ions. And the only way to counteract that is with negative ions, which are produced by pretty much nature. So things like moving water, the mountains, um, the atmosphere after it rains. Have you guys ever heard of that? I had never heard of it before. No, no. but that's very interesting. Very interesting. We're going to have to watch that too, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to see him like at this stage in life. Um, and he's like, he cares so much. It's like his priorities have completely changed. I think as all of ours do, but it's a really good one. And I think, having like an essential oil diffuser, if you don't have access to the mountains or the beach or a river, um, that shakes up the atmosphere around you and can create some of those negative ions. And it's kind of like, not what you would expect, like negative you would think is like a bad thing, but those are actually the good ones you want. Nice. So interesting. But speaking of negatives and positives, what are some of the positives you found with remote learning? It's Belkis speaking. I guess I could tackle this question a little bit. I've definitely seen an increase in parent engagement. So parents are definitely a lot more involved and they're asking a lot more questions, which sometimes I don't see in the school setting because we'll communicate maybe three times a year during parent-teacher conference and during IEP meetings. But I definitely see the parents being a lot more hands-on, asking more questions, asking about carryover activities. And they're so proud to be part of their child's ongoing learning. And then something that I have started doing is just thanking them after every session, like, hey, you know, you're the therapist right now, you're the teacher, and we have, you know, we're making it so far because of all your help. And then just reminding them that it's teamwork, because for them, just reminders like that 
are extremely positive and rewarding knowing that they're still have those same questions that we do. What's going to happen in September? What's going to happen with my kids learning and educational setting? Yeah. Wow. I love those suggestions. I love that you thank the parents and acknowledge the work that they're putting in as well at the end of every session. I think that's a really great tip. Natalie, how about you? What positives have you found? I've also, just to piggyback off Belkis, I've found the relationships between the parents to be so much stronger now, um, especially being in the general education setting. Um, we're often ones that are forgotten in the, the speeches in, in the school system. And a lot of parents I noticed like during parent-teacher night um, wouldn't really come see the speech therapist, see us, and to talk about the kids. But now with remote learning, I've gotten stronger building stronger relationships with the parents um, and even other other family members as well like the grandparents who maybe step in um, and ask questions to engage with the, the child and with my students as well I feel like a lot of them have been more um, interested in just trying different things to cope with things like anxiety a lot of that is what I was seeing when I was um, treating via teletherapy um, and a lot of the students wanted to incorporate and were interested in seeing videos on YouTube or just um, engaging in more movement activities. So I noticed right away that I increased my level of movement activities in speech. And it was just a lot more trying to incorporate a lot more hands-on movement, even though we had the screen to work with. So a lot of creativity I noticed within myself and within the kids themselves. So I was really happy to see that. I love that. And I love that you guys are thinking about it in terms of the students and the families. Do you feel like there's been any positives as a therapist as well? Or has it just been really hard? I know it's been a significant change for therapists overall, um, especially like school-based therapists, because you have, I don't know what your caseloads are like in New York, but I'll just give you an idea. Like in Florida, some people have caseloads that are like 110 students. So switching over to teletherapy is a nightmare, uh, but they made it work. So for you guys, were there positives as well? I can start and answer that. I'm Natalie. Um, yes, there were a lot of positives, but I felt like the negatives at first were really hard to tackle with uh, a lot of our families come from very low um, socioeconomic status. So a lot of them didn't have the technology at first. So we, I feel like um, I'll speak for myself and my caseload. I had a caseload of about 44 students and I wasn't able to reach about half my caseload when this first began the pandemic. So it was very hard um, reaching out to the parents and, and, and the families. But once we kind of got the routine, a hang of the routine together, we were able to um, incorporate a lot of new strategies. So I would say there was a huge learning curve from the beginning to the end of providing teletherapy services for sure. I love that outlook. Belkis, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, my caseload is a lot smaller. I have around 20 students on my caseload. So in the beginning, it was just getting the parents and the children to adapt to a completely uh, different routine and different setting. Like I previously stated, majority of my caseload are children on the autism spectrum. So it was really hard just transitioning to a completely new system and new way of learning for them. 
those are one of the biggest challenges aside from not knowing, you know, if we were going to return to school, particularly in the beginning. And in terms of any positives, I think it's a lot of teamwork. I've built stronger relationships with colleagues, not only other um, speech language pathologists, but occupational, physical therapists, teachers, administrators, by finding a way to help each other and also help um, the students and their families. Yes, that's a really great point. I also felt the same that the teamwork increased significantly afterwards because we ended up having more like online meetings. Whereas when we were in person, we would have them, you know, every two weeks. And it was just because we all wanted to make sure we were like on the same page. And, um, and then with Natalie, you said that it was like a learning curve at first. And there, I mean, that's so reasonable because it's almost like starting a new school year and there's a learning curve at the beginning of any new school year too. Right. Yes. percent. So, I love though that you guys, have like really highlighted the positive um, aspects of it and just really adapted. I, I'm very, very impressed. <laughs> um, I had a different role, so I, I can't speak to what it's like to be a school-based SLP and had to make that switch. I was at the district level, so I was providing support for AAC, um, mm -hmm. but I really admire any SLP that had to make that switch. So let's talk about, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about yoga frameworks and curriculums that SLPs can incorporate in their practice. Okay, I can take this one on. Um, so basically for me, I'm a certified yoga instructor. I got my 200 hour um, from a yoga studio in Queens that I frequently went to. And I also recently got trained in kids yoga um, teacher training. So these are things that I've implemented in the schools just as a speech therapist from my own love of yoga. And I started with a few kids at a time um, who I thought would be receptive to me um, just trying this kind of new thing that they aren't familiar with or isn't really uh, what a typical uh, speech session would would include, I guess you should say, because um, it's just something that I do so regularly that I love to incorporate within the speech setting as well. So a lot of how I do it is that I start my speech session with a breathing exercise to just help with grounding and help the students just uh, have a calm, clear mind um, and get ready to learn. And depending on the student um, at, or the day and what's happening, uh, I either begin my lesson with yoga, end it with yoga, or I have it somewhere in the middle. So it really depends on the day I'm having and the day the child's having or the group and what's really going on. So it's very fluid in how I incorporate it within a typical session. That's awesome. I love that. Were the kids like apprehensive at first when you first introduced it or they were they totally on board? Some were totally on board. Some even enjoyed it so much that they would ohm <laughs> at the end, which was I thought was so cute. Um, and I appreciated it. It just livened up the, the, the teaching of yoga and just kept it going. Um, but others were reluctant at first. And I never force it on the kids, of course. It's really, I the way I view speech and how I lead my sessions is kind of like, it's, it's 
geared towards the child, right? So if they're not liking something, then I throw it out and I bring something else in, whatever helps them to learn, right? So, but with time, I've noticed that the majority of my caseload, even my older middle school kids really, really enjoy yoga. And they found, and because I always ask for feedback at the end of uh, the school year, and I ask them what they learned, what they liked, what they didn't like. Um, and usually I always see that yoga creeps up in there at the end. Aww. And they'll tell me, they'll say, you know, Ms. Z, I'm so happy that you introduced yoga to me because it helps me um, get ready for a test. I'm not as nervous as I used to be. Or if I get mad at my, my friend for something that she did, right? Because in middle school, you have a lot of that going on with your best friends and things happening. Um, she says, one of my students told me that, you know, I take five deep breaths and I wait to respond. I pause before I respond to her, you know? So they shared with me things that they've taken from the yoga practice that I've incorporated in the sessions and how they've used it outside of the speech session which I love I get so happy when they tell me stories and how they've used it at, either at home or just like with their friends so that's been really nice to see I love that and you know it is important for therapy whether you're working on articulation or reading skills because you're looking at the holistic child yes. Um, and you know, they need to be ready to learn if they're not ready to learn, then they're not going to be receptive to anything that you're teaching. So I love that you start with that. hundred percent. Thank you so much. That's so cool. How about you, Belkis? Do you, um, incorporate yoga at all? Yes. Um, within New York city in 2008, a lot of New York city schools started using a program called get ready to learn which incorporates yoga into the classroom. So it has ideas of bringing students um, mindfulness and movement activities at the beginning of their school day. And I've seen a lot of positives when using the program. Students feel at ease, they're calm, and they're definitely ready to learn. Um, and there's so many ways in which we could adapt this framework into our therapy sessions. I also like to collaborate with the teachers when they're setting up this routine in the morning. I'll start by creating a joint action routine where one student starts setting up the computer, another one starts setting up the mats, and then they start conversation and then start talking to each other and start helping to get you know, together in the morning to start their yoga. That's awesome. And I love that there's actually like a curriculum out there that's being used. So it's called Get Ready to Learn, right? Correct. Get Ready to Learn. If you look it up, G-R-T-L, it was definitely introduced first in New York City public schools. It's amazing. A lot of kids enjoy it. They feel at ease. And with this program, it's more student-led. So it's very hands-off. It The students are able to join whenever they want. They could just observe, like it's no pressure whatsoever. I get, you know, I grab my yoga mat and mm -hmm. sit next to them, start my day with yoga as, as well. And I feel really relaxed. Myself and the teacher that I work with enjoy it 100% every morning. We're like, oh, that felt great. Like, okay, I'm ready to tackle on my day now. <laughs> 
Do they have that part at the end where you get to like lay on the floor <laughs> for like five minutes? And- yes, there's like oh, a awesome nice calming. Yeah, <laughs> and then we, you know, we turn off the lights, set the mood. Like everyone's nice and quiet. And like like I said in the beginning, it's just exposing the students and then getting them ready, you know, to start step by step. So it works on a lot of skills as well. That's awesome. That's so cool. So before we wrap up today, I'm curious, what do you guys have in the works, you know, for your company? And it's called Creative, or you're the Creative Bilingual SLP Belkis. Correct. What is your Teachers Pay Teachers store called? It is Culturally Speaking SLPs. Perfect. Okay. So for that, what do you guys have in the works? We have, um, this is Natalie speaking, we have a variety of um, just uh, therapy materials that we've kind of adapted and created to be our own. Um, Right now, what we have specifically in the works is we have uh, something called the five Afro-Dominican trailblazers, which we're creating basically to tell stories of uh, African-American women and Dominican women, women from different parts of the world really and they're to tell their story and make it easily adaptable for speech including reading comprehension vocabulary um, sequencing so that's something that we're working on right now specifically but we have so many things that we've already created in culturally speaking SLPs that you can check out at our TPT store and we also have a boom learning account as well where we're just trying to spread that awareness and create materials that speech therapists will feel comfortable using with uh, students that come from a variety of backgrounds. And our main goal is to have these diverse materials um, be something that students will be able to relate to and see themselves in. Yeah, I love that. Belkis, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, so we enjoy creating these materials like you have no idea. Together, we're bouncing off different ideas and finding ways to adapt it to reach various populations. But it's not only for um, speech language pathologists, also for teachers. We're finding different ways to incorporate it into the school curriculum as well, because sometimes we've noticed that there's also a lack of culturally diverse materials in the classroom. So because we work in the school, we were also thinking just beyond the therapy room of what could be incorporated into the classroom when we collaborate with our teachers. That's a great suggestion that it can go beyond your own therapy room. And do you happen to do a lot of push-in therapy, Belkis, like when it's not COVID time? Yeah, no, I do a lot of push-in, a lot of activities with the teacher and you know, we bounce off different ideas. I also use a lot of AAC. I have a couple of kids on my caseload that use AAC. And so the best way for me to get them to use it and, you know, see carryover is if I incorporate some of my sessions into the classroom as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I can see definitely where that collaboration with the teacher would come in and just kind of doing an inventory of the resources that they have and then having that discussion about diversifying them. I think that's great. How do you encourage peer interactions to develop into friendships among AAC users? Many people with disabilities have limited opportunities to take part in activities where they can actually meet peers. 
relationships between children with and without disabilities are not formed by simply grouping them together. Speech-language pathologists can play an important role in facilitating peer interactions between children who use AAC and their peers. If you want to learn practical ways to support peer interactions among children who use AAC, then you don't want to miss this ASHA-accredited pod course with Dr. Michelle Therian. Join Tassel Continuing Education to get early access to all pod courses and earn ASHA CEUs. You can listen to this course starting on October 1st, 2020, before it's even available on this podcast. Friendships are crucial for AAC users to develop a sense of belonging, boost self-confidence, and even increase academic performance. Help your AAC users make friends by listening to this pod course, which provides tangible tips you can start implementing right away. Head to tasseltogether.com or click on the link in this episode description. Then check out the courses tab to find the course titled, You've Got a Friend in AAC, Supporting Social Interactions with AAC Users to Learn More. Awesome. Do you guys want to talk about anything else before we wrap up today? Um, I guess something else that Natalie and I um, are working on is trying to start a mentorship program for like high school and undergraduate students. I guess it's something that we've never had when we were in high school or completing our undergraduate degree, just to help like, pave the way for future SLPs to increase diversity, cultural awareness, and then a little bit of like guidance into the steps to applying to graduate school or even where to look for to volunteer or the work setting and just exposing them to the field before they fully invest, you know, all their time and their life into an SLP graduate program. That's fantastic. You guys definitely should do that. And I will be supporting that 100%. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Do you know, there's an, a podcast, a newer podcast. It's the Sunshine Speechy and Nancy Hillman. That might be a great platform for you guys to connect because a lot of her listeners are applying to grad school. So maybe that would be a great place to start and then kind of go from there. Not start, but, you know, connect with. Thank you so much. Yeah, that sounds great. You definitely Thank will. Awesome. Well, this has been such a pleasure. So where can everybody find and connect with you if they're not already? Well, they can find me, Natalie, at the SLP Yogi on Instagram. And we also have the Culturally Speaking SLPs where you can reach both of us. And I'm Belkis and everyone can find me at Creative Bilingual SLP on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you both so much for coming on today. I've learned a lot and I just love like your positivity. And so I'm looking forward to continuing to follow along on your journey. Thank Thank you. you so much for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. 